everyone, welcome to Indie Music Marketing, a conversation on marketing for independent musicians. I'm Rich Hearn, music marketer and artist manager. Join me as I talk to a different guest every week about what's working and what isn't in the world of music marketing for independent artists in 2020. A few years ago, I was looking for web designers who specialise in creating websites for musicians. I came across this week's guest, Ross Barber-Smith from Electric Kiwi, but it wasn't until last year that we finally worked together on a site he created for an artist I'm working with. In the years between, I noticed that Ross had started creating content to help artists with articles on everything from building music communities and why he loves Twitter, to an open letter to music fans telling them the best way to support the artists they love. Ross is based in Glasgow, but he co-hosts a podcast with Marcio Novelli, an artist from Canada called Bridge the Atlantic, which launched in 2014 and has featured guests from all corners of the music industry. It has over 4,500 subscribers and over a million views on YouTube. So I'm really grateful and excited to welcome Ross Barber-Smith. So first thing that I always want to talk about in the podcast is this question of uh, what we mean by an artist's narrative and story. Um, as we just mentioned briefly before we started recording, you, you meet people very quickly in the music industry, especially in the marketing realms. You start to talk about developing your story as an artist. And I think that's all well and good, but often it's it's a bit tricky for artists to really know what that means. And it's it's the kind of thing that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So it depends who you're talking to as to what they mean by it. But you as a kind of web designer and someone involved in working closely with artists on the marketing side, what does that kind of mean to you to develop an artist's narrative and story? Um, I mean, to me, the narrative essentially tells me who they are as an artist and why I should care about them. Um, And I think you're right. It can be a bit overwhelming sometimes when you ask an artist to come up with this narrative or this story. Um, But I think sometimes it can be a case of just breaking things down into some more manageable questions. So maybe, you know, how does what you do relate to the music that you're creating? What is your mission? Like, what do you want to achieve with the music that you're creating? Like, what is your why is a question that I think can be quite useful. It's like, because obviously you're creating music for a reason. What is that reason? And how can you communicate that to the people that you meet and the people that you want to uh, bring with you on this journey of you know, of creating your your music and who are your influences. I mean, a lot of the time your influences can influence not just the music that you create, but they can influence, I guess, how you're perceived and how you interact with people. Um, so that, that can be, those thinking about those questions can help. Um, your story really just puts everything into context and, and means that it kind of puts your music into, it gives your music a bit more of a purpose. Um, and I think it's okay to not have all of those answers right now. If you don't know, you know, your story from beginning to end, that's fine. I think, you know, most people probably don't. It's something that's going to evolve and grow over time. And I think, um, some ways to explore it would be to, you know, speak with someone who specializes in things like, artist bios or press as they're often going to be able to ask questions that help to get you to the next point of that story. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it is a tough one. And you know, it's something that a lot of artists struggle with. I know they do. 
Yeah, definitely. Especially, I mean, I guess you you find it when artists kind of come to the about page and the content for that, and it's about having to write that bio. And if they haven't brought someone in who's got expertise in that area, um, then you know it, it can be hard. You know, writing about yourself in the third person sometimes it's like, and and actually, I, I spoke to various people from when I speak to artists, it's often the story kind of relates to you know career artists who are you know who have been through it all and the story is actually the story of their career but when you're an early stage artist you don't have that and so Derek Sivers on the first one of these podcasts talked about perhaps the need more for a phrase and the lift pitch I know you've spoken to Ariel Hyatt in the past who has kind of championed this idea for a long time as well about having that you know what's that really pithy little phrase that you can use that that will pique people's interest to then delve deeper into the into the narrative and the story around you and also I kind of feel like those people who might be the experts in in helping you write the bio and asking the right questions um are possibly also in in the realms of sort of PR and press and what have you. The, the narrative for me can sometimes be about who is writing about you rather than what they're writing. And so that's kind of just another, a bit of a tangent. But um, but I think it's really useful to pull people back to, well, your story is about why you're doing it and the purpose behind what you're doing. I think, you know, the goals and the aims and the ambitions. I think if people can see that, and, and that's on both sides from kind of fans and the people who might be able to help you move up the ladder, as so to speak. Um, I think, yeah, that's really useful advice to sort of pull it back to your purpose and start with why. Yeah, it's the questions that are going to help. So I think, you know, if if there is someone that can ask you lots of different questions and really kind of help get all the information together, I think sometimes even just seeing it in like a bullet form, bullet point list can really help you to see that these are the most important things, that these are like the core of my a brand I guess and you know th- these are the most important things and everything kind of stems out from that that can really help you to kind of define that but yeah someone like Ariel Hyatt or anyone involved in press is going to be a good uh, point of contact to help you kind of hone that um, and I do think that the narrative and story it, it doesn't just it's not just something like an elevator pitch kind of thing I think um, it also includes the whole package it includes your visual identity and your music the overall package is is i guess the the narrative um of course yeah no you're right that's is yeah I, I work with an artist who's very very focused on kind of the whole image and identity around what he's doing so it's less the biog and more just everything that that, that is part of their um, story their world really the idea of kind of expanding that story and the narrative outwards um possibly goes hand in hand with artists being sort of confident enough to project that story outside of their uh, their own little world if you like and i i sort of find the, the next the next kind of topic i want to talk about is this idea of confidence and self-belief and how artists go about developing that because i have in sort of brackets after this question which is about how artists develop egoless confidence and self-belief um, the fact that there's a lot of talk in the industry. I think Sammy Andrews has has a pinned tweet or did for a while about like the way to get ahead in the industry being don't be a dick. Yeah. You know, the key to marketing success is like be just be nice. Um but in ter- yeah, in terms of that that idea of confidence and self belief, what what have you seen with artists that you work with that is um so the way for them to develop that and, and get past the the kind of fear often of of putting yourself out there? Okay. Um, yeah, it, this one's a really interesting one, but it's also, I guess, one of the hardest questions 
I've ever been asked. Um, <laughs> the, reason being, the reason being, I think as a creative person, um, the self-doubt kind of thing creeps in a lot. There's the imposter syndrome, the am I good enough? Do I deserve the success when you're getting it? And if you're not having the success, it's always why why is it not happening for me? Kind of thing. And and it's it's a real challenge and and I struggle with this regularly often too. Um so I think uh Sammy's advice of don't be a dick is some of my favorite advice because it's so <laughs> important and it's so relevant in so many different ways. Um in when you I think it's really useful so it's really useful though to, to to have a creative talk to artists and musicians about the fact that everyone feels this way yeah you sometimes think you know you sometimes feel like the imposter syndrome and, and you sort of you're you're perhaps um like you say sort of getting over that fear you feel very alone and i think it's useful for artists to know that everyone's in the same boat so if you ever have those doubts and those fears you know just just bear in mind that everyone is with you. It's the same for everyone. You just kind of, the confidence thing is about, I guess, just doing it anyway. Yeah. And I don't think it's something that you will ever fully kind of get over. It's it's really, I guess it's how you deal with it and how you can channel that into some of your creativity sometimes, but then also realizing, you know, if I feel like this today, it's fine. Maybe today's an admin day. Maybe I don't do creative stuff. Maybe I do something that takes me out of that and lets me recharge a little bit because it does pass. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's an, it's more of an annoyance, I think, and it can hold you back. But, um, in your, when you initially kind of emailed me with, with some of the topics that we were going to talk about, I know you asked the questions, you know, when, is an artist when do they know that their music is good enough who decides if it's good enough and um and that made me think you know the term good enough is is really subjective and it's um it's hard to define when something's good enough and also whether anyone has the right to tell you that it is or isn't good enough it may just not be right for them but then i was thinking mm-hmm. maybe the term is more is it ready enough yeah and even that can be a hard thing to to figure out but um i think if you can find some mentors and peers that you admire whether they're fellow musicians or just other people involved in music um if you admire and trust them that can be a good starting point for getting some constructive and honest feedback because i think um what you might find is there's not a problem with you know, your songwriting or your performance, it may be the production that's holding it back, or it may be that you're projecting an image that completely conflicts with the music that you're creating. And at that point, you maybe need to assess, you know, who are you and what is your why, going back to that first point, because um, it may just be that you're presenting things wrong, Um, or not wrong, but you're not presenting them, I guess, as accurately as as you could be. Um, It's not reflecting the sound in the right way. Um, And I think sometimes... Um, you know, thinking about artists who are maybe in the very early stages, putting some music out there for free on like SoundCloud or YouTube and getting some live experience can be a good way of gauging feedback and feeling from people. Because if you have people then asking you, oh, you know, where can I get more of this? That is an indication that, yeah, you're going in the right direction. People want more of this. If you're not really getting the feedback or um, interest that you feel that you should be, that's probably the point where you need to start asking some questions. And that's where I think the mentors and the peers really come into it. People that are going to give you constructive criticism and feedback, 
to give you direction to help you shape things moving forward. Um, and again, it's it's less about making it good. It's I for the most part, it's probably more about getting it to the point where it's more ready, um, a little bit more polished, I guess, um, for people to to want to book you for more shows or want or to buy your music or or whatever that might be. Cool, brilliant answer. I love that. Thank you. Um, so just just going back uh, a couple of minutes about your your own experiences of kind of you know when you've done something and kind of doubted it have you got any tools or tactics or methods where you've kind of got past that or has it just been a case of you you've kind of felt it and just had to let it go like you, you mentioned one about you know going away and leaving it and coming back another time but is there any other any other ways that you kind of in your creative output because you've been a musician as well haven't you before before doing the web stuff, am I right yeah. in thinking? Uh, yeah, so th- that's that's where a whole big confidence crisis came into play, and I've kind of <laughs> really gone back to doing music as, as a result. But, but I mean, but I say that it's part of that, and partly I'm too busy doing um, my web design yeah. stuff, um, <laughs> which is great. I, I love doing that. It combines two of the things that I love the most, so I'm not going to complain about that at all. But I think, um, no, I mean, I guess some examples would be like if if you're just having a bit of a bad day. Um, you know, you're having lots of different things going wrong for a musician. Maybe you've been rejected by some some venues that you've wanted to play for, or you've been rejected for funding, or there could be various reasons. But I tend to find that it's if a lot of things don't really go your way, especially in quick succession, that can really make you think, oh, am I not good enough? Like, what am I doing wrong? Um, and that can then just have a whole dent on your confidence in general. Um, for me, it might be that I've done a draft design for a client and they email me back saying it's not quite right. But then on top of that, I've had lots of other things come in that are just, you know, a bit stressful. Everything's a bit time sensitive and there's too much going on and you feel kind of like, oh, I can't keep up with this. Am I a fraud? Am I not, you know, am, am I doing a terrible job? Am I not living up to people's expectations and so on? And I think it's important to kind of recognize that it's okay to feel like that because everyone feels like that from time to time. Um, and then really just thinking, okay, there's no point in me dwelling on it because that's not going to, one, it's not going to move things forward. It's probably going to make things worse because I'm going to end up falling behind on lots of different things. If I'm not really feeling up to doing the creative stuff, then why don't I, you know, like, like I said, like catch up on emails, for example, um, or sure. just do something that is less taxing, but still helps me move things forward. Um, I would say that would be the, the things that work for me. And sometimes even just kind of reminding myself of, you know, some of the things that I've done that I've been really proud of that can help lift my spirits a little bit. Even if it doesn't fix anything, it, it makes me feel a little bit better. And like, oh, maybe I'm not so bad after all. You know, these people said these nice things about me. I can't be that bad, surely. Yeah. Um, and that can help. And I think for an artist, if you can even just think about a time that you've had some really nice feedback from someone or, um, you know, just a moment in your career that you feel really proud of, no matter how small it might be, hold on to that and try and use that to kind of help you move things forward again. Okay, coming. So this is quite, the, the first two questions are quite holistic, and and this is the podcast called Indie Music Marketing. And I think sometimes I feel um, that that kind of self doubt thing coming in. I think I think that's really useful to talk about the narrative and the story, to talk about confidence and self belief. 
Um, but actually, I think often people are looking for the nitty gritty and the marketing strategies and tactics because, you know, you need those kind of quick takeaways to feel like you're getting value from content like this. So the next few questions kind of do that a bit more. And the first is about describing a great music marketing strategy. Um, so anything that you've seen recently that you kind of think, okay, artists should definitely listen to that, check that out and, and go away and try and do their own version of that kind of thing. What have you, what have you seen recently that kind of fits into that? great in inverted commas yeah um i mean it's kind of funny actually because the more i sort of look for these types of things the more i kind of come back to things that i find have worked for people in the past so um and and again it's again a little bit related to some of the things we've already talked about but i think um relationships are huge and i think in the music industry, that's also true. And, and and that's both, you know, relationships between the artist and people they work with, but also the artist and their fans um, or their audience as well. Because I think the best type of marketing is really when you don't need to do much of the promotion yourself because you've built such a great fan base that they're actually going to do that for you. Um, and if you can develop ambassadors for your music by having great relationships with them, that's probably the most valuable and sustainable kind of way of, of marketing. So I've been kind of thinking a bit about um, Taylor Swift's approach um, and or more so her previous manager, Rick Barker, the approach that they kind of crafted together, which is, um, you know, uh, if you want to sell a million records, you have to, you know, meet a million people, not literally meet a million people, but, you know, like getting mm-hmm. uh, speak with um a million people and kind of build each sort each um relationship is built one fan at a time and i think that that's really important and i think that um for independent artists authenticity is such a huge um it's such a huge draw to independent um artists and, and fans they're you know creating the relationship between them so i think for me the, the marketing that they do it you know once they know what their purpose is why they're creating the music and who they want ultimately to you know be in contact with or make connections with um you know building the those uh connections can be you know really rewarding way of, of growing uh your, your career and um and promoting your music out to people um but i think also um that first impression is big and that's kind of where i i feel i come in as a web designer and uh, someone who does some graphic design as well the way that you present yourself online is really big. And I think you can't underestimate the value of a first impression. Um, so I sort of feel like the first impression has to be great. And from there, you can then start to build the relationship that's then going to end up, you know, hopefully growing exponentially, which then leads you to have a sustainable career in the music industry. Def- definitely. I love that you start started there with direct-to-fan kind of, marketing and director fan kind of strategy because that's something for a long time I've been very interested in and sort of helped artists for the last kind of decade with with stuff that's that's less about sort of PR and, and marketing and reaching the people who've got the audience that you might want which is fine that all comes into play but more is about like like you say the relationship with fans and connecting with them and kind of I remember an artist who I've worked with for a long time when I first heard him on a podcast that was actually a centric music podcast and it was Simon Pursehouse's third or fourth podcast and he put 
a few tracks on and I reached out to a few artists and just said, hey, I really love what you're doing. And at the time, actually, I was kind of doing web stuff, but I would never be a designer, but I could I could put a WordPress site together for artists. Um, pretty sort of hokey, to be honest, compared to yours. But um, they worked uh, to a point. But I, I remember reaching out to this particular artist and he returned, I kind of liked his Facebook page, which at the time was probably a bigger deal than it is now. But he he was messaging every single person individually once they'd liked the page and was sort of saying, Hey, thanks a lot for following me. Here's where you can find all my stuff. This is where I am at the time. It was, it was pre DSPs, but he, he's, he shared folders of tracks and everything. And I think that, that for me was kind of an eye opener and I'm still working with him today and we're doing a lot, a lot. So it's kind of different, but at the same time, it's about doing those things that in, in the first instance that you, there's no way you'd be able to do it at scale, but it sounds like, like you say that sort of Taylor Swift um, and her team were, were sort of trying to do that stuff. That's not scalable up to a, up to a million sort of an audience of a million, which I think is just, yeah, just really cool. So I love that. Um, uh, and I guess we've we've sort of also moved towards this idea of sustainable careers for independent musicians, and that's where I want to go next. And I, I've I've always kind of thought that for an artist to kind of get to a certain level in the music industry, they've got to, as I think Seth Godin sort of mentions about a lot of uh, a lot of kind of creative pursuits and creative businesses. In the past, it was all about gatekeepers and being picked. And now there's this idea that he's kind of propagating, helping put out there that, you know, publishing um, in terms of sort of everything, publishing books and publishing music has become very democratized. And now if you want to just get something out there, you don't need to wait for someone to pick you and say, yes, you can do it. Obviously, there comes a point in an artist's career where maybe there are partners who can offer something that you couldn't do yourself that you might need to take on board to, to get a step up. But in the early stages for independent artists, um, the idea of kind of aiming for sustainability is becoming something that people are are seeing as a as an aim and a goal above and beyond fame and fortune if you like which in the past it was like trying to win the lottery now it's kind of like okay you've still got that side of the industry but I, I suppose I'm I'm interested in helping artists whose goals are that kind of I, I want to earn a living from music I don't want I, I don't want um I don't particularly need a Lamborghini and uh you know a, a mansion but I do music and would love to make it my career so first of all do you believe in sustainable careers for independent musicians yeah i definitely do and you know one of the big reasons that i do believe in that is because i work with a lot of the of artists who are doing it um so i mean some of them are doing it on different levels um but it's absolutely possible i think um a lot Yay. of the, the <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of I imagine that that's exactly what you were doing. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, the, it's going to be slightly, the route's going to be a bit different depending on, on who you are as an artist, what kind of music you make and who your audience is. And I think in order to be able to do things yourself, um, you do need to be a little bit flexible, adaptable. You need to be open to learning new skills and trying out different things. For example, you know, we're recording this during the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of artists who are making 100% of their living through live shows are now needing to find other ways of, 
of uh, making that income. So I know one of my my clients, um, Justin Trawick, he's uh, based in Washington, D.C. or just outside Washington, D.C. And we met each other online and it just so happened that his parents own a, a summer house in the city that I did work experience in in the U.S., many years ago. So we instantly bonded over that. But that's a side note. That's got nothing to do with what I'm about to say. Um, I, well, I think that helped us build the relationship that we've got and we've still been working together six or seven years later. But, um, cool. but what I'm finding with him is he was making 100% of his living from from online shows. Um, he runs a like an artist collective in DC called The Nine, where nine different artists come together um, and they do live shows. Uh, I think that's once a month. Whereas he also does his solo shows. He does shows with like a trio and all these kinds of things but obviously once um the venues and everything closed down he was out of income so he had to think well how am i going to make this work so he very quickly started doing live streams which wasn't something he'd ever done before um and off the back of that he set up a patreon page and i think at the time of recording uh, he's got over 150 patrons and that's in the space of a month or so. Um, but I think the reason he's been able to kind of leverage all that so quickly and successfully is really down to, he's a relationship guy. Like he totally understands the importance of that kind of human connection between an artist and a fan. Um, and it's one of the reasons that he and I work well together and that I always very, um, excited to see the success that he has. Um, and I think you definitely can't undervalue that. So yeah, I think um, sustainable careers are definitely important, but you have to be able to, you know, take advantage of changes in technology and be adaptable to circumstances that may change and really making sure that the relationships you've got are solid because you never know when you're going to need to, you know, maybe call in a favor or fall back on something that, you know, that if you didn't have the relationship, you wouldn't be able to do. Um, and I think also this kind of goes back to the, the website side of things, but please have a mailing list. Um, I can't stress <laughs> how important that is um, because I've witnessed it from when artists had MySpace pages and they relied on MySpace for everything, but they didn't have a mailing list. And then MySpace went under and, you know, those million fans that they had, they have no way of contacting them anymore. Um, so I think it's so important to have a mailing list as great as social media is uh, there's no substitute for, for having that, you know, those emails that you can reach out to when, when things do change and you need to direct someone to, you know, a new campaign that you're, that you're running, whether that's a crowdfunding campaign or something else, or you have a new album out or you've got upcoming shows, you need to be able to get in contact with those people directly. And a mailing list is the most reliable way of doing that. Um, I know that, you know, open rates and click rates maybe aren't what they used to be, but at least you know people are getting the message and they're not buried in some algorithm. Exactly, it's still better than yeah than the organic sort of um, organic click rates on uh, on social media at the moment. But yeah, um, emails—it's a funny one really because sometimes you come up against people who think that you're a dinosaur for sort of mentioning it, mm -hmm. but actually it it's often the the it's often the best way to kind of um, to promote things like tours and the, the important things you know the kind of business things which actually you know make a difference to the career um I'm not, I'm not sure why that is i suppose it's because it's not amongst all the distractions of social media and everything else that's going on um and maybe it feels more personal it can actually be more personal it can be one-to-one -one. and i think also you know for someone to give you their email address 
there's a little bit more effort involved in that than just simply following on Instagram or following on Twitter. They're, they're kind of say, they're handing you that email address saying, hey, I want to hear from you. Um, and I think that they are more likely to, they're definitely going to get the message. Whether they read it is another question. But I mean, I, I'd like to think that someone subscribing to your mailing list is a more and I hate to use sales talk because I just hate it, but the only way I can really think of describing it right now is they're more of a qualified lead, and I feel this really gross saying that. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I, I was talking to a band about qualified leads the other day, and they, they yeah, they yeah. understand it's, it. We have marketing in our <laughs> in our veins, but as much of it, yeah. But I, yeah, I know what you mean. That they, it's yeah, it's more of a um, a sign of kind of intent. It's more of it, it's yeah, they're they're. Um, yeah, is there a, is there a better way to describe it? Warmer. In fact, I think I described them as warmer leads. Yeah. Yeah, I think anyway. I like that more than qualified. And now we just need to find a substitute <laughs> for lead, and we're all good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Warmer but, fans, if you like. We'll just warm them all up. People and, know what we mean in that. I think uh, yeah. yeah, they're more instantly. I think someone is a bit more invested because they've gone yeah. to that effort of um, you know of say of actually kind of advertising the fact like, hey, I want you to send me stuff, so send me some stuff. Um, cool. Uh, yeah so so um i guess like it might be that email marketing is the answer to this next question but but the the last thing i want to talk about is is this kind of takeaway for us so for anyone who's kind of who's who's listened to the whole podcast all the way through thank you so much but um i, I want artists to be able to kind of switch off and go away and do something that's going to make a difference to their career if possible and that's kind of where you know, often artists are looking for a tactic. And I don't think it's sort of helpful often to sort of find the latest tactic um, because it may well work today and not next week. But it, if there is anything that you've kind of, that you see artists doing that you think, okay, again, it's the same with the, as the strategy, but something that's more tactical that they could switch the podcast off and go away now. Um, can you sort of discuss one marketing tactic in detail that an independent artist could go a way to uh, to use now and advance their career today. Yep, and you actually you you've um, already figured out what it was going to be. It was going to be having a great web presence <laughs> and growing your mailing list. Um, but more so to use that mailing list to connect more deeply with your audience, build relationships with your subscribers, and you know the goal with that is that hopefully they'll want to support you more, uh, either by buying your music, or your merch, going to your shows, subscribing on Patreon or something like that. Um, basically making them a more invested fan and they're going to do that if you have a better relationship with them uh and that's really the, the main kind of thing i want to want people to take away um if you're if you don't really have much of a mailing list at this point i think what you could do is start building relationships with people on twitter instagram facebook um don't just wait for people to follow you you're going to have to be a bit proactive and go out and find people that um, are listening to artists that are similar to you or are people that have similar kind of values to you, you know, a, a good way of starting a conversation with someone this works without fail is comment on a picture of their dog. If they have one, because <laughs> people love to talk about their pets and that honestly can be a huge <laughs> in, um, but do genuinely though. Don't, don't just, you know, don't be, don't be gross and just <laughs> be that, that dog commenting. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, with a lot of people, if they, if they have a similar kind of, um, outlook to you, then you're going to find something that you have in common and you can start from there. And yes, I'm not going to lie. It is work. It does involve, time and effort but I think if you can aim to even create like one or two new relationships a day 
that you know that's hundreds of new relationships a year. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a band, you know, if you've got five members, you're already at an advantage. You can start building lots more relationships, um, and you'd be surprised how uh, how far that can take you. So build the relationships on socials, get them to subscribe on your mailing list, and give them more of an experience on the mailing list that's really going to deepen that relationship and hopefully um, you know create lifelong fans who are going to invest in you moving forward so that was ross barber smith from electric kiwi thank you again to ross for joining us and if you want to check out ross's work go to his website at electrickiwi.co.uk where you can find examples of the websites he's created his contact details and you can also find him on instagram and twitter at electric kiwi and on facebook at electric kiwi design If you want to find out more about indie music marketing, go to indiemusicmarketing.co.uk where you can subscribe to this podcast and find the show notes for this and all other episodes. We also have a community for independent artists called Amplifier that's free to join and aims to offer a non-judgmental, safe place for artists to ask any questions you might have around music marketing. You can find that at amplifier.co.uk, spelt A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-R.co.uk. Please do get in touch if you have any questions, comments, feedback or suggestions you can find me on instagram at indie music marketing or email rich at indie thank you again for listening and i'll see you next episode